Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. If you work anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Despite the name, it's not just for contracting officers. Whether you work for government or industry, we're here to help you understand how the other side thinks. Today's episode is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition Solutions. Skyway helps you know more, do more, and win more in the government market. To learn more, visit skywayacquisition.com. And that leads me to our special guest. Kevin is off this week, so Shelly Hall is joining me on the podcast. Shelly is the Community Relations and Content Manager at Skyway Acquisition Solutions. Kevin and I met her back in the day when we were all Air Force contracting interns. Shelly has 32 years working for the Department of Defense and held an unlimited contracting officer's warrant for 23 of those years. Her background is just a little different than Kevin and mine. She has a lot more expertise in services and supplies, federal supply schedules, pre and post award contracting, and simplified acquisitions. And with that, here's our conversation about NAIX codes. What is a NAIX code? NAIX? NAIX? How do you how do you say it anyway? NAIC. What is a NAIX code? Well, basically, and it's NAIX. Okay. Kind of like N-A-K-E-S, NAIX. <laughs> and it's how the government determines whether a business is small or large based on size standards. Okay, so FAR 19.102 is this where it talks about size standards. And before we go farther, NAICS is another fun acronym, and it actually stands for North American Industry Classification System, N-A-I-C-S. This is something that's... it's governed by the Small Business Association, right? Yes, it's the Small Business Administration. And Association they, Administration. It's, it's whatever, an A, right? Blah, blah. Um, and, and it's really looking at what um, the industry, what you're primarily engaged in. And it's a way that they determine that you're large or small. They've got a table of size standards that they use, which is, you know, kind of boring and long, but... It, it's it's based on a lot of different things, and it's based on industries. So they look at different industries, and they come up with, this is the NAICS we're going to use for these, you know, five industries. So different industries can have different sizes yes, that they, help you decide whether or not it's large or small. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But first, they, yes, they do not. You're right. what does a NAICS code actually look like? It's a six-digit number, and each one of those digits kind of adds more meaning, more specificity to the code, and they actually mean something to people that are in the know. You kind of get used to it, and you learn what different codes are for. I don't remember what any of them mean anymore, but just for an example, uh, let's start. Th- 33 is what? Okay, 33 is manufacturing. So if the next code starts with a 3-3, you know you're at least manufacturing something. Th- that That is the industry in which they are primarily engaged. Manufacturing. So then and you they, add another digit. Three three one is and so that's primary metal manufacturing. So now you know that you're doing something with metal manufacturing. So then we add another one. Three three one one means something. So now we've got a very specific type of metal. This is iron and steel mills. Steel mills. Okay, and it keeps going. Three three one 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 is and that's iron and steel mills and ferro alloy manufacturing. I am not even sure what a ferro alloy is, but if I ever needed that, that would be the case. <laughs> so we're getting more and more 
specific as we go down. And then if you add that six digit, three, three, one, 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 zero. And and then at that point in time, they haven't on this one discriminated it any further. So you're still at the iron and steel mills and ferro alloy manufacturing. <laughs> what does happen sometimes that when you get to that six digit is they may have, um, you know, uh, industrial manufacturing or wholesale or, you know, some other discriminator. But in this case, really for those last three sets, it's been exactly the same description. But yeah, some of them... There's just does. nothing, no reason to subdivide any farther at, the, at that yeah. point. So how, how do you get a NAICS code? Do you have to apply for one? Does the government assign it? Do you register with a notarized letter to your congressman or something like that? Well, I... I, I no. <laughs> <laughs> And, and it's really there's there's kind of three pieces to the the, the NAICS code puzzle. There's a small business administration that comes up with these um, codes that they use, and and they're really very serious about it because they they really look at them every five years and make sure that they're um, you know they're they're still in keeping with you know something that really should be still considered small, where they may say, well, the number of employees or whatever, we need to change that. But then the second piece is the, the government contracting officer when they're looking at the NAICS codes and trying to decide which one to use. And in some cases, some contracting officers really couldn't care less what NAICS codes they use. Or um, I used to be one of those people that as a CEO and a contract specialist, I really tried really hard to use the correct NAICS code. And then you have the contractors when they register in the system for award management, SAM, which they have to be registered in before they can do business with the government, right. when they register for that, they have to choose which NAICS codes they go under. And so you kind of got, you know, three different people telling a story, but they're not talking to each other. So you, you can end up with somebody, you know, registered in the wrong NAICS code or the CO picking the wrong NAICS code. And that can cause a lot of confusion. Yeah, sounds so, super so confusing because your company, you could actually do different things that are is, that's in a bunch of different NAICS codes. Can you can you have more than one? You you, you absolutely can. And uh, anybody who's um, ever read my blogs knows that I kind of have a rant on too many NAICS codes. Um, as a contracting <laughs> officer, <laughs> if I saw a company that had any more than than 10 NAICS codes, and really to me the ideal number is three to five and they should be your core competencies. If, if I see more than that, you know, what it tells me is, is you don't know what your core competencies are. You don't have <laughs> You're winging it. You're going to register in every possible um, NAICS code that you possibly can and, and hope that that helps. Well, really it kind of dilutes what you're doing because you're going to get, you know, come up on searches for things that really aren't something that you do well. So you, you really don't want to be registered in every possible NAICS code out there. It's try to keep it very, like I said, three to five. Got it. So we'll talk in a minute about what you mean by you won't come up in searches and all that other thing, that yes. how they're used bit. Before we go any farther, though, I want to make sure that I understand what is a size standard based on? So under different codes in different industries, what small or large business means, it can be different. So what 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 are they based size standards on? We, we've kind of touched around how much money you make. Is that that, that sense? is that is one possibility. But there's really two things that they look at. 
Um, it's the either the annualized income over the past three years, so that would be how much you make, or the number of employees you have. And uh, it's not our job here today to try to figure out how they determine employees because there's a lot of things when you have affiliation, <laughs> independent contractors, and you know all that kind of stuff. But but it's number of employees and how it usually tends to go for services. So in services, for facility support services, it's 38.5 million. For employment placement services, it's 27.5 million. And for telephone answering services, it's 15 million. So you can see there's quite, quite so a difference. So weird how they come up with those numbers. And, and don't ask me why it's like 0.5, I, I, whatever. But then when you get to the commodity side, when you're buying items, um, then uh, for our iron manufacturing we were doing, that's 1,500 employees. Uh, but if you're doing a steel tube processing, which I sounds very exciting, it's a thousand employees. <laughs> but if you're doing secondary smelting, it's 750. So it, it's, you know, it, it's really has a lot of variation. Yeah. I'm sure there's a whole lobbying industry built around <laughs> influencing how large a company has or how small a company has to be to still be a small business. Right. Yeah, because you know a lot of people say thirty eight point five million, and I can still be a small business. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> so let's go back a little bit to the process piece of it. Now that we've sort of described what NAICS codes are and what they look like, this is controlled in the Department of Defense anyway, which is where really our background is. Yeah. This is controlled by the Small Business Office. So. There's a DFARS. It's again, it's 19. So DFARS 219201 is where the policy is set. For DOD, the contracting activities small business specialists are responsible for reviewing acquisitions over $10,000. Yeah. And, you know, and virtually, if you think about it, that's pretty much everything. (laughs) So, so kind of the the dichotomy is that you've got. Um, a, a CEO, remember our story, three different people telling the same story, that small business specialist can can disagree with the contracting officer and say, no, I want you to use XYZ NAICS code. And, um, and, and usually they will win because if they don't sign off on this particular document form, then you're, you're not going to get the acquisition to move any further. So um, it's important that companies and contracting officers and everybody else understands that that a big part of that decision on the NICS code is that small business specialist. And of course, what they're looking for is to use the NICS code that's going to include the most small businesses possible. Which, if you're the contracting officer, you may not want that because that means you got more potential proposals to evaluate. And if you're industry, you and if you are in a NAICS code that is smaller, that applies, you want it to be the one that's smaller and applies. And we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Right. So. As a contracting officer, I pretty much, if the small business office said, use this NAICS code, I said, yes, I will. That sounds great. I, I wasn't really up to arguing with that. I looked at that as sort of a, 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 a fruitless battle. One thing we forgot to talk about is when is this code selected? We always talk about the acquisition time zones here, the requirement zone, market research zone, RFP zone, and the source selection zone. This NAICS code selection... This is usually in the market research area when they're looking at the, the types of companies that can do it is where they're talking about it. And it gets locked in at the RFP. So in industry side, you can influence the, the NAICS code selection as you're talking to your customers during the market research zone. 
And when it gets the RFP zone, this is a place, if, if, it's, if you didn't get your way at that point, that's where a more formal question, the, the Q&A part of the RFP or draft RFP, or even I've seen protests about the NAICS code, right? Yes. And, and actually, j- just to not to correct you, because, you know, I would never do such a thing, but they're actually appeals uh, because a protest means GAO gets involved. Uh, NAICS code appeal means that the Office of Hearing and Appeals from the Small Business Administration is going to get involved in them. So they're kind of, kind of a, um, you know, they're an outside agency. They, they have don't know anything about the acquisition. They, they don't know the contractors. They don't know the contracting officers. All they know is that somebody's come to them and says, you know, there's, there's something wrong with this NAICS code. And I have some examples a little bit further along of some, some NAICS code challenges and appeals that have had some surprising results. So is it any easier than a protest or is it the same, same thing, which is a, a very legal proceeding with lots of documentation? It, 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 it's a lot easier than a GAO protest. That's it's, good uh, to hear. It's, it's, it's basically you make your case and you go to the Office of Hearing and Appeals and says, this is why I'm challenging this. And then, you know, I'm sure they rub their chin and, you know, do some great knowledge <laughs> room full of smart people. I don't know. And, and then they come back and say, it is so. Um, the, the, the really interesting thing about NAICS codes and well, small business in general and all of this that we're talking about is, you really have to read um, the Code of Federal Regulations, the law, where all this comes from, because that's what they use to actually make their decisions. So, and sometimes there's more subtlety in the law than there is in the FAR about these things. Tell me a little bit more about this NAICS Code appeal thing, since I called it a protest. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'll correct you because that's what I'm, I'm good about. Well, there was one circumstance where um, a small business eliminated two-thirds of its potential competitors by appealing the NAICS code. They, the Office of Hearing and Appeals looked at it, and they said it was it's irrelevant what it was for. But they really sustained it, saying that it should have been um, a, a NAICS code that had a much smaller size standard associated with it. And by taking that down, that particular company that challenged it then um, eliminated 75% of their competition by, uh, because then they could no longer participate in that particular action. Brilliant strategy. I bet the 75% were really happy about that they, decision. They probably were very unhappy. Um, <laughs> and, and then, of course, a NAICS code appeal can turn a large business into a small business, you know, because they've, they've used some size standard that's too small. So this is kind of the opposite of the last one that was too small. And they convinced um, the Office of Hearing and Appeals that they should use one that had a higher, you know, larger size standard. And they agreed with them. And it immediately, at that instant, then that the appealing contractor became a small business under the new NAICS. So they appealed their way into the comp- they, competition they in that their case. Way. And, and one thing I just wanted to, to, to bring up, because it's been interesting and it's a really recent uh, appeal that's come out, is about NAICS code appeals for GSA schedule orders. Um, you know, we have a lot of contractors that, you know, they, they, have a, they know what their real houses are and they're really good about this NAICS code thing. And all of a sudden somebody puts out a request for quote on GSA and they use some weird NAICS code they've never heard of before. And they say, oh, no, 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 you cannot do this. 
And so um, what what happened, this, this situation happened, and this company that said it's not fair, they shouldn't be using this particular NAICS code, um, the Office of Hearing Appeals said that while ordinarily, and I, and I want to read this because I think it's important, while ordinarily you must designate the NAICS code, which best describes the principal purpose of the product or service being procured, small business regulations recognize the exception for the general rule when the federal supply schedule has a specific NAICS code associated with it. So what it's saying is that NAICS code is going to stand and if that company, if that's not in their wheelhouse or core competencies, they're not going to be able to bid on that particular GSA acquisition. And that can make people a little bit unhappy. Oh, uh, yeah. When that happens. Why is this so important? This is important because if the government, in the course of their market research, is looking for companies under the wrong NAICS code, they may not get the results they need. So how does how, how is the government use NAICS codes for market research? Well, you know, it kind of depends on the complexity of the acquisition. But, you know, if you're looking at a fairly non-complex acquisition, you can actually go into the the Small Business Administration has what they call their dynamic search capability. And and you can say, I want to search this NAICS code for all the service-disabled veteran-owned small businesses in the state of Florida, for example. And it's going to bring you, you know, a very specific set of results back. Well, if you're using the wrong NAICS code, you're not going to get folks that would even be able to perform whatever the work was or, you know, the capability. It's not right. even within their core, core capability. So it, it's, it kind of skews your market research because you've said, oh, I have, I have 25 services able veteran and small businesses. And when, in fact, you, you may not have any in or, that NAICS code. Or if you're using one of those codes that has a large size standard or a small size standard, you may either get – more companies than you expect or not enough companies to actually move forward with the acquisition. Right. Because you're, you know, really the goal is to try to attract those small businesses. So you, you ultimately want to come up with a NAICS code that you can live with that has the highest size standard, you know, be it number of employees or dollar value. So there are going to, more people are going to qualify as small businesses. But again, like you said, the problem with that is what if there's, thousands of small businesses in that particular NAICS code and you've got you know 500 proposals you have to go through i would have wanted to find the one with the smallest size standard to ensure that i got the least amount of proposals as possible because if i get three proposals that's great competition that's adequate competition i only have to evaluate three i award one and i move on otherwise you might get 20 yeah that's that's true that's that's true so and i also understand now why a small business might think that three to five NAICS codes is not enough to include because then they only appear in a few searches. So the more they can find, the more that they throw out there. Right. And, and, and that's true. I mean, that's, that's what they're trying to do is kind of a um, appeal to the masses, so to speak, you know, they want to have as many out there as possible, but you know, to me, that's, that's kind of first, I think it's kind of disingenuous on their part because they're then they're going to end up in the mix potentially for a competition that that they're they have very little chance of doing successfully you know performing the contract because it's not even uh, but if you're the sales guy the more yeah. hits you can get the better <laughs> i know it works. i know it works. i mean that's 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 how we businesses operate you know the more the more opportunities that you can take a look at the better off you are so 
having having a ton of codes out there so you get a little sniff from all kinds of different uh places it's not a bad thing from industry's perspective (laughs) i don't think okay are there different NAICS codes for different socioeconomic categories? Like, are size standards linked just to you're a small business, or if you're a small veteran-owned business, are there different size standards? There, there are not in that instance. But um, recently, and in fact, they just increased them again. The number of them. Um, what uh, they have found is, you know, one of the newer categories is an economically disadvantaged woman-owned small business. I know that's a mouthful. And, and those are um, areas where an economically disadvantaged woman owned small business is, you know, historically underutilized. And so they have come up with, I think they have somewhere close to a thousand NAICS code now, that if you use that NAICS code, then you can limit your competition. See, this will make you happy because you get down to just a few then. So <laughs> if you look at just three uh, economically disadvantaged women-owned small businesses, or in some circumstances, get to a sole source EDWSB because they're the only ones. You know, they have a niche market of some kind. Wow! So, so that's that's kind of a, a cool thing with the one of the things the NAICS codes do. That's the only one currently um, that you know that they do that for is for the the EDWSB. Brilliant. So great if you are an economically disadvantaged women-owned small business. Not so great if you aren't. But there's similar preferential things out there for different classes, like the Alaskan Native thing. We've had that for a long absolutely, time. Absolutely, right? absolutely. So since we're in there, why should government care about this so much? I didn't say that out loud, but that's what we're talking about right here with this. Why is this so important? This can make the government's job in the acquisition a lot easier or a lot harder. But first, the government needs to care because it's your job. That it's the contracting officer's job to ensure the use of these socioeconomic set-asides to the, to the maximum extent practical. That's, that's law. We have to do that as government contracting officers. So since you have to do it, why not use it to also make the process easier for everyone involved? Absolutely. And, and you know, to, to me, really, if, if every CO just believed that their only job they had was keeping everybody on a level playing field, you know, never having – you know, just just keeping that balance and in, in trying to encourage those small businesses, then then they would be fine. Now, you know, keeping in mind we have uh, a huge contracting workforce. Um, a lot of them are very very new. You know, most contracting officers have less than five years experience now. Mm. Um, you know, it used to be back in the day. You know, you had to be I don't know fifteen years and a I don't know fifteen certifications, and I don't know it took you. <laughs> haiku poem and your blood and everything else to become a contracting officer. But now, you know, now um, it's, you know, because of the shortage. So I I don't necessarily think that contracting officers are being mentored or trained to understand how important this is. And and it is their job. It's, it's their job to do that. And um, you know, you, you, you just, there's, you, you don't want protests. You don't want these NAICS appeals. I mean, just because we, 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 I personally went through one in an office I was in up at Wright Pat and and they're just you know it's it's they're even worse because they can take a year to come up with an answer and you still have to abide by that answer after the fact so you could have had a contractor performing for a year. Wow, a dead so stop on your acquisition so, if you so end up there. It's you know so let's let's not let's not do that. 
um, because you know it, it makes your job, as you said, so much easier if you just play the game. Just play the game and try to understand why NAICS codes are important. And, and yeah, it's your job. One last thing before we move on to the industry side of the conversation. If you are on the government side and you're using the wrong NAICS code, you may not actually find the businesses that do what you want to have accomplished here because they just don't show up in the searches. So it's very important that you understand, and I totally agree with you, Shelley. It's important for junior contracting officers to understand how this stuff works because a lot of the overload is just the, the overload, like I'm talking, the, the workload overload. That's a lot of loads in there. Is not understanding how to take advantage of the process and make the job easier. This is one way to do it. Moving on to the industry side, why should industry care so much about this? And we've touched on this a couple times, but if you've not registered for the, the right NAICS codes that are your core competencies, then you may not qualify as a small business when the government is looking to limit competition to small businesses, which means you may not even be allowed to participate you may not even get the rfp when it's time for it to come out along the same vein if the government is using the wrong NAICS code and you're not involved and targeting and helping to shape the acquisition they may choose a NAICS code which mean which allows more of your competitors to qualify as small businesses if you have that intimacy with the customer if you are talking about these things you may be able to convince them to change it to the next code that's more advantageous to you, that means you have less people to compete with. So it's a lot of ways that you can help yourself by understanding this, even a little bit if you're on the industry side. I think you already said you can actually eliminate competitors by driving an acquisition to, to a strategic NAICS code that makes them go away. They won't, they won't be allowed to, to compete anymore. And just if you are an economically disadvantaged women-owned small business and you can do something, you should be telling your customers not only, hey, I can do that, but also, did you know that if you choose this NAICS code, you can do a sole source contract just to me? Think about the time that that saves. It would be very hard for a company to appeal that through this appeals process that you're talking about, right, and slow it all down. Because the system is set up to allow this disadvantaged class of businesses to succeed. Absolutely. Well, you know, what I find is some of these businesses are very savvy about this whole makes code thing. They're, you know, they really play it to their advantage. Oh, yeah, if you did it right. You absolutely can. And, and you know, all of a sudden, I just I imagine, you know, imagine you're a, you're, you think you're a small business. And all of a sudden, this RFP that you've been waiting for, you know, because some of this, it's, you know, they know ahead of time it's coming out. And it comes out, and you you can't even submit a bid. You they're not going <laughs> to look at you, and you're like, what, what? And How you did got this happen? you got outplayed in the yeah. game of so, government so contracts. So it's it's so con- you know contractors are very 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 savvy about this, um, as as they should be. And you know my concern is hopefully now we can get some contracting officers that are just as savvy to you know to drive the acquisition the way that they want the acquisition to go. And, and, you know, and, and I'm, you know, I'm all for small businesses, but, you know, you know, sometimes we're driven to a small business set aside and realistically there are no small businesses that can actually perform the work. So, you know, you, you don't want to have that situation either. So right. you, you just want to have the, the best possible outcome. 
Okay, let's summarize what we just talked about. Before we do that, I want to say thank you, Shelly, for being a guest today and giving Kevin a week off. You're, you're more than welcome. I'm glad to be able to do that. Today we're talking, what is a NAICS code? So the NAICS code, now I'm going to run through this. You let me know if I get any of it wrong, okay? A NAICS code is the way the government classifies businesses in different industries to help decide what a small business is and what a large business is so that they can set aside certain work for certain classes of companies that are disadvantaged compared to the giant large businesses out there. Good so far? Good so far. These codes are selected by the contracting officer and the agency's small business experts and maybe influenced by industry during the market research phase of an acquisition. And then the RFP is only released or only available to those companies that qualify as small businesses under the code that was selected. Correct. Doing good so far. Government and industry both need to pay attention to this because... If you're on the government side, this can make things go much more quickly because you receive less proposals, but proposals from companies that are clearly in the industry that you're looking for as far as their core competencies. If you're on the industry side, you can influence the selection of the next codes to your advantage or to your disadvantage if you're no good at that kind of influencing. But played well, you can actually get it down to a very few, a very small number of competitors, or if you are a certain class of small business, you could get it sole source to you with no competing at all. Absolutely. And it's, and it's really all about that hyper-focusing. If you're on the government side, you want to hyper-focus so you get the, the a number of proposals that you need to meet comp- competition requirements and still have you know your socioeconomic categories that you're using as well as from the industry side, then you can sway that to ensure that you're going to be a small business or, like you said, perhaps even a unique business under an X code for an economically disadvantaged woman-owned small business. So it's it's kind of a win-win-win. Unless you're a medium-sized or a large business that doesn't get to play in any of this stuff because it's a set-aside. <laughs> Well, that's true. That 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 they're probably not near as happy about this. No. But you know, there's plenty of plenty of NAICS codes out there that, and and different kinds of industries that uh, I, I'm not going to worry about large businesses right this time. <laughs> Spoken like a true contracting officer. All right, Shelley, thanks for joining me today. I am so happy to be here. Hopefully, we get to do this more. Okay, that's it for another episode of the Contracting Officer Podcast with our special guest, Shelly Hall. As always, if you have questions, comments, or complaints, send me an email at paul at contractingofficerpodcast.com. Thanks for joining us.